Hi, I'm Amanda Johns. And I'm Ryan Lynch. And this is our weekly podcast, Worth the Work. A quirky and insightful look into the world of therapy with topics that matter to you. Let's get started. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Amanda. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. I don't know why it took so long to say that. That was really awkward. Well, you're welcome. (laughs) So um, today, what are we talking about? So today, we're going to talk about autism. Autism. Sounds like a superhero. Only when you say it like that. (laughs) So we also have a special guest. We do. And would you like to introduce said special guest? Yeah. So this person I know like really, really, really well. Um, because he came out of my body. So today, today... That's a lovely picture. Today, my son is our special guest. Okay, well, yeah. how well. about that? Hi, and- Alex. <laughs> What's his name? I'm sorry, that, that, that intro has me up and down. That was- <laughs> All, that's how our audience feels most of the time. Yes, prepare yourself. The whole show is like that. Yeah, I, I almost lost it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so, yeah, so we're going to be talking about autism today. Um, my my son specifically was diagnosed when he was around five years of age. However, his dad and I um, sort of knew there was something going on uh, way before then. Um, it just took a while to get the appropriate diagnosis. So I figured, why don't we start? Because um, there might be people out there that don't really know what autism is. Right. So why don't you define autism? Okay. And then I will... Tell add, you about the diff- add, add stuff. Add, add things. <laughs> Giving her all the hard work, I see. That's, Absolutely. That's, that's normal. <laughs> um, so, um, so autism spectrum disorder, it's sometimes referred to as ASD as well. Um, no, it's, it's a, not really. It, it, it is. But nobody calls it that. I cannot believe this is happening. Wow. On air. So autism spectrum disorder, O or ASD, is a um, condition related to brain development. Um, It impacts how a person uh, takes in information and people and how they socialize with others. Um, It can cause problems with social interactions, communication. It can involve limited or repetitive behavior. Um, And then the word spectrum, which is part of the autism spectrum disorder label, refers to the fact that you can have people who are impacted to a great degree, Degree. Mm -hmm. thank you, and people who um, have very mild impact from this specific. Right. And and how that's kind of defined now is high functioning versus low functioning. Right. Um, So... Yeah, the the whole idea of autism being on a spectrum is fairly new. We used to call it an umbrella term. Yeah, it used to just cover a lot of different things or different aspects of it. But now, um, according to, was it 2013? Yep, yeah, the DSM. It was, uh, in the DSM, it was re-diagnosed as, or re-categorized, I guess, (laughs) as a spectrum. Um, So one of the ones that used to be in there is Asperger's, which is... A form of autism where it's kind of, I guess, more the social aspects of it. Right. right? Well, it's so, the, it's the, the the higher high. Right. Right. High and, functioning. <laughs> right. Know, higher high. What yeah, are they I using? Mean, that's, cocaine? I don't that's, understand. That's what it used to be. So one of the main reasons that this term was removed is because it actually caused um, an increased stigmatization mm-hmm. of people who had a diagnosis of autism versus Asperger's. So what it did was it caused... I know you love the way I say it. (laughs) Asperger's. What is that? What's Asperger's? (laughs) So what it did 
was caused, um, it caused a whole debate on whether or not we were taking a subset of people on autism spectrum disorder and saying, well, their issues aren't as severe, so right. they're separate. Because they're better. Right. And, you know, that's just, they're all the same disorder. Okay, yes. I was wondering where you're going then. <laughs> right. So that's kind of the difference there is it it, it, it is now on a spectrum. Um, and, and I think that kind of has to lead us into the conversation about prevalence because I think yeah. there's this talk of how prevalent it is. Like it's it's more prevalent now because of all these arenes. Right. And in reality, there's a lot of research to show that it's not really necessarily that new of a no, definitely disorder. Not. Definitely not. Definitely not. Right. But it, it is like, it's just we're more aware of it now. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, let's let's talk about, um, because the the biggest, I think, myth out there about autism is that Oh, it's caused by vaccines, and it's because you got vaccinated. That's what happens to you. Um, yeah, yeah, that that's... was proven to be wrong. Well, Over actually, and... if you want to know more about that statistic, that um, that entire study was one out of a million, and the doctor later uh, refuted that study, but people still um, take it as fact. So right. Correct. And it was not only that, but I'm pretty sure, tell me if I'm wrong, it was like a pool of like five people. Instead of like an actual like uh, like by unbiased I know it was, study, uh, yeah, I don't know how many, but I do remember it being a very small subset. Like it was a very yeah, small compared group to the mm-hmm. studies that were yeah. done to disprove it. Right, right, and there's been numerous studies to sh- to disprove that. So that's not what causes it. Right. But so and what does? So it it can be a, a myriad of things. So mm-hmm. it can be myriad. myriad. Oh my gosh. Are you going to do this all day with my yes, words? Yes, I am. Man, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> so so um, it can be um, related to the age of the parents. It can be mm-hmm. related to genetics. It can be related to um, an, uh, the person having another genetic disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some really, really good research that's being done out there, especially by the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, um, regarding actually looking at people and identifying the genes that are associated with autism spectrum disorder. Um, Alex has been a part of this study since he was like five or six years mm-hmm. old. Yeah. And a he's, lot and of he's visits. 19 years now. So. A lot of visits. <laughs> and that's really fascinating because up until a couple of years ago, you know, we didn't know what genes caused it. And we right. still don't know all of them, right. but we're starting to learn. And it's and it's important to say that um, you know they 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 say that it's not very common or it's less common in females than it is in males, mm-hmm. but I think we can say like we've said with other disorders that are sort of put in that spectrum of oh this is mainly men that this occurs to, mm-hmm. it's that women or females tend to present differently mm-hmm. than males and so they are um, I believe underdiagnosed because culturally the social the social piece or the emotional mm-hmm. piece. Um, from a stereotyping standpoint, is typically taught to females differently than yeah. it's taught it's, to males. It's, it's interesting you say that because I've definitely noticed in my schooling that there were always like a lot less girls in my classes, right. but they always acted just like slightly different than the other, like all like the mass amount of boys in there, right? Which was mm-hmm. interesting. It's it's almost like instead of taking on the different attributes that you know a lot of guys maybe it was like a society thing mm-hmm. that um 
infused like the different ideals into them or how they grew up, but definitely uh, they showed different behaviors. Yeah. Well, let's let's jump into asking okay. Alex some questions. You ready? Oh, yeah. You ready, Bub? Let's okay. go. <laughs> so, what? Do... Did you just call him Bub. I did. Bub. Okay. That's professional. I, I call him Ali Oopers or Ooper Scooper. Wow. I, wow. This is uncalled for. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We're bringing you on to humiliate you today. Ali Great. Scooper. Okay. Oh, um, what does it mean to you to have the diagnosis of autism? I mean, for me, really, a big part of autism about me is um, uh, nowadays, like, like when I was a kid, it affected me a lot more. I would definitely say, and I, and I was very obvious, I think, in how I acted in school and the behaviors I did, but because I was able to to learn from the, the great people in my life, I've, I've since been able to kind of, um, not downplay, but like suppress some of like the... Learn to cope. And learn to cope. That's yeah. a better word. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, I, I don't deal with it as much anymore really um the 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 things i deal with more come from like an attention uh thing and not so much like the learning part well i mean okay <laughs> i still really struggle with the learning part, but... <laughs> but you've learned ways and strategies yeah to help you that's what i right. that's, that's what to i'm trying to say so if you can yeah. maybe uh, i guess what you're saying is if you can get your attention to pay there to pay attention really if you can get your attention to pay you know there. what okay english is hard <laughs> It is. All right. I think I messed you guys up. Yeah. Um, if you can get yourself to pay attention, you know how to learn and stuff. It's just that mm-hmm. the attention getting piece. that attention to go. Yeah. yeah. So did you want to ask? No, you already started. <laughs> so, so how old were you when you realized that your brain processed things differently than other people? It's hard to pinpoint because I think when I was a kid – I really didn't care as much yeah, like like than other agree. people. You were oblivious. <laughs> I was oblivious <laughs> to a lot of things, not only autism, but <laughs> um, that's a different story. <laughs> okay. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I I don't really remember like realizing until I was in middle school, really, because I remember then was a big point in my life where I started actually like caring about learning how to improve myself and work around and with autism in order like instead of like when I was an earlier kid where I didn't really like care to improve myself or care about the people around me and how my actions would affect them so I, I would say definitely middle school was a turning point for me okay okay um so how have you been the most impacted by autism do you think it really comes down to when I was a kid. Okay. Because of how I acted, I ended up getting a lot of, you know, people that didn't like me said I was annoying and stuff like that, which I I think I mean, I have my separate opinions on how the school system in elementary school works with kids who are on spectrum. That's my boy. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them I don't think uh are best equipped to deal with kids of that nature just because of how I guess I felt like I was treated in uh, elementary school and in middle school is a bit of a different story. I think kids are just a lot harsher in elementary school for some people. Um, 
but I think kids stop bullying the the weaker ones in in middle school, which is why, I, at least t- to my knowledge, I it, things changed a bit. Okay, wish I had that same experience. I know. <laughs> I had the I had the opposite. Yeah, experience. I know. Because <laughs> we we yeah. All right, moving on. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> oh my god. So what what's what do you, what was the hardest part about having autism? Do you think? I know that's kind of a broad question, but. Oh yeah, I kind of brushed around that, didn't I? <laughs> no, no, no. That I mean that there's most impacted it yeah. in like the hardest piece. Okay, yeah. No, it's it's definitely the the attention aspect and the being able to I guess take in a lot of information at once. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a big at least when I was a kid, I've I've learned coping mechanisms now, but especially when I was a kid that was a big mm-hmm. part because I would always, like, my mind would wander. I would always, you know, not want to, you know, do what's going on in the lesson at school, which, you know, could also be down to just normal kid behavior. Right. But I think that was also amplified by my diagnosis. Okay. So. Okay. Fair enough. Is there a best part? A best part? Yeah. Is there a best part of, of having a diagnosis of, a diagnosis of autism? Um, I guess in, like, the classes – a lot of the kids you meet that are like very similar to you, it's really easy to just become friends and kind okay. of be a weird bunch so of people. So finding your tribe? Sort of. <laughs> yeah, I would say that. Oh, and I bet that's nice to not feel like you're the only one that has it either. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm not like the weird one in the whole right. entire room. I'm with a room full of quote unquote weird people. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever wish that you didn't have a diagnosis of autism? When I was a kid, I would definitely say yes. But I think now that I'm uh, grown up, I think that my diagnosis has turned into a acceptance. And like, I, I don't think I would be where I'm at, especially like with my empathetic traits, if I wasn't, you know, diagnosed. Or- how do you how do you think you developed? Because uh, it's interesting because a lot a long long time ago not really that long time ago there used to be this um theory or this thought that people with autism didn't have the capacity to have empathy or be compassionate or understand emotions and part of the research has actually showed that people um who are diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder actually feel emotion to a great degree and that's why they have some of the symptoms that they do how do you think you learned to identify your emotions to identify when somebody else is having emotions it's definitely improved over the years i think a great part of it is learning how my actions can upset other people mm-hmm. and when i was a kid i would kind of just do whatever i came to my head which would inevitably upset a lot of people and the things i said so i think throughout the years i've learned to uh, use a filter definitely that was a big part of my, you know, learning in middle school was being able to use a filter. And then that subsequently uh, stopped a lot of the behaviors. Okay. And do you think, so, so that was elementary, middle, high school. Now you're in college. How have things changed, if at all, in the college setting with peers and schoolwork and stuff like that? Well, I, I think I'm a special case because I go to an art school, which inevitably has a lot of people that are just kind of weird or have emotional problems already, which <laughs> may be a bit of a generalization, but it's it's kind of true. Okay. Um, especially my school. But 
I, I think that, you know, going back in with a group of people that are kind of very similar to me and understand me has helped. And then I think the main struggle will always be the learning aspect and the attention aspect of it. It's, I still struggle to that kind of greatly to this day. Okay. So it sounds like you're saying you, you've adapted pretty well in college. Oh yeah. Okay. And do you think being able to go to school for something that you're passionate about has helped? Oh that? yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I wow. didn't, I wasn't able to function that well in community college. Let's, to say the least. <laughs> okay. Fair, fair enough. Fair. And then what has helped you the most in school, whether it be, you know, early early elementary, middle school, high school, college, what what has been the most helpful? Am I allowed to uh name names or Yeah. Definitely um a great woman that goes by Miss Gillespie. She pretty much um, like turned, like taught me everything I know today on how to use a filter. <laughs> and like in the three years I, I was with her in, in middle school, she was able to kind of turn me around from a kid that came into class. And, you know, it's I'm still embarrassed to this day, but said a really rude thing to the teacher in front of the whole class uh, to a kid who was, you know, able to respect people. Yeah, mm. that makes sense. Yeah. Fair enough. Interesting. What about navigating romantic relationships? Can I participate <laughs> at some point? Listen, I'm getting to interview my son. Okay, well, and I'll just sit here and look good. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't know exactly how autism has affected my romantic relationships. I don't think it really has. At okay. least in my experience, I don't. I guess not every relationship is the same. So, you know, I, I think me and – well, actually, no, that's a lie. I just realized <laughs> how autism affects me. So definitely with the aspect of – I wasn't going to tell him. I was just going to let him come to it himself. There you go. <laughs> no, I, I realize now. Um, no, definitely. So it, it's hard because me me and my girlfriend, I a, a lot of the times I struggle with understanding, like interpreting her emotions too much – when really it's kind of not that hard to like, I shouldn't be, I'm overanalyzing. And I Why think. Why are you looking at me? Like he learned to overanalyze from me. I, I did. I did. He did. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that has less to do with autism and <laughs> more to do with you. Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. But it's definitely like when you said, how you said that like people on spectrum are like feel emotions a lot easier. Mm-hmm. That's definitely the case where. Like ever so much, she would you know, um, like feel 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 like be a little grumpy, which could be due to a lot of like worldly factors in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, I would take that to mean that she's disappointed in me. Okay, which you know could just be that I'm very self centered in a way, <laughs> <laughs> but it could also be because I just interpret like every feeling like it's it's super meaningful, which isn't always a bad thing but can definitely have negative effects. You know, it's interesting that you say that because in my mind of like thinking to what I know from lay people about what they think autism is, a lot of them think it's more the opposite. Like they don't have as many emotions or don't express them in the same way. I think, I think that people on spectrum definitely 
I don't think they know how to express themselves sometimes, mm-hmm. which I think can lead to the further stigmatization mm-hmm. of uh, people saying that they don't have any emotions. Like, you see that in, like, TV shows like The the Good Doctor? Yeah. Yeah. Where, I mean, I don't I don't like to use that example, because, but for, for separate reasons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I, I think in that show, it, it kind of goes to show how people can think and, like, mm-hmm. assume that, like, a person doesn't have any emotions if yeah. they're a little more lower functioning. But um, it's really quite the opposite. They interpret everything and sometimes too literal. Very deeply. Mm-hmm. Very deeply. And I can attest. I mean, I've seen you have um, conversations with your partners or, you know, we've had discussions where you're having difficult feelings or you're you're expressing yourself and i mean as your mother i can attest that you absolutely feel things deeply oh yeah absolutely there is no lack of emotion that's i think the thing that has (laughs) stayed the same throughout my whole life with on on uh with the diagnosis is i definitely do do that he said, "Do do." Wow, we're very mature here. Very, very professional interview. Very professional. One um one common fear that I hear from parents a lot is that um they're worried that their child will grow up to be alone. What do you say to that? Okay, well, I get where they're coming from, but also, it's kind of a person's choice if they want to be alone. I don't think it's appropriate for. I mean, you know, it's okay for parents to want their kids to be happy, but they shouldn't tell their kids what makes them happy. That's my boy. Well, is this about him or is this about how you're (laughs) a great parent? I'm allowed to sit here and have pride. Yeah, quietly. (laughs) I'm just spitting facts. That's all. (laughs) Okay, so what about parents who um, worry that their child won't be able to function in the world as an adult? Well, I think for a lot of lower-functioning people, that problem is a lot more prevalent, especially because a lot of people that are on that side of the spectrum have a lot more deeper struggles, even as adults, with um, uh, like being able to function in the world, which I completely understand that aspect. I think if my child was that kind of lower-functioning, I would be worried too. But I think if you're child has high functioning autism like me and kind of I, I i think parents should give their kids a lot more trust when it comes to that where they can kind of trust that they can function in the real world because i think a lot of the times they can show behaviors that might make it think like they can't uh control themselves but when you actually put them in a situation where they have to be in the real world i think people will be very surprised by how they can function quite normally. And I think it just comes down to experience and yeah. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Um, So what is something that you think is important for parents of children with a diagnosis of autism to know? (laughs) Did you just call it autism? Because I was... That's my new word for it, autism. Aberger's. Because it, yeah. It's better than... It's autism. Because it's awesome. Aussieism. <laughs> so anyway, back to the question. Wait, what was the question? <laughs> I quit. I quit. What is something you think it is important for parents to know? Oh, um, <laughs> um, well, it depends because if 
I think parents that like have trouble accepting their child for who they are try to find the miracle treatment to fix them.、Mm. I think for those kind of people, I would say, um, like, like you're completely valid for looking for avenues, and like I would understand why you think it's like a problem, but I think that at a point you should stop treating it and. More embracing it. Okay, I love that boy. Okay, suck it up, mom. <laughs> All right. So, and and kind of going off of that, if you were talking to somebody with autism, what is something you would say to them? Well, a piece of advice per se. Oh, advice. Okay. Um, Not just suck、hi. it up, Buttercup. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what? <laughs> Man, if only I was that type of person. <laughs> I know. Could you imagine? Um, I don't exactly know what I would say to a person of autism. I, I mean, I would maybe say something like, you know, you're you're valid. You're,、mm. you know,、okay. your your diagnosis does not define you as a person. Something like that. Okay, that's what I taught you. Oh my gosh! I'm <laughs> gonna stop having your children on. I mean, I think we're having one of them on next week. <laughs> that's besides the point. Now, Amber's coming on. <laughs> yeah, next week. Ah.、Uh. Yeah. Well, guess we're spoiling the surprise for next week. <laughs> so I, I think, like, and one of the things that、um, is really important, if you are the parent of a young child and you are concerned at all that your child might have autism, it's very important to get them in to see a doctor. Yeah. Because early intervention can have a dramatic effect、yeah. on a person's、mm-hmm. functioning. And, and the, the treatment they get, yeah, definitely, right, right. absolutely, because that's what really can help somebody who has autism really kind of function and and be able to cope with things is learning those skills, kind of like you were talking about. Yeah, the thing about the the diagnosis aspect is, I also think that because it's such a blanket term, and I,、mm-hmm. I think you know the the. the The I guess what's the the, the DNS or DSM. DSM DSM and and what they did to kind of unblanket it in、mm-hmm. a way yeah I I think that's helped a lot with diagnosing but I I think a large part of it is some kids would show you know just them being kids、mm-hmm. you know a a kid not wanting to focus in a class for twelve hours a day isn't exactly abnormal sure <laughs> right sure so well, I th- I think a lot of people can. Misdiagnose people as autism、yeah. just because it's easier than saying you know my kid agreed doesn't want to and that's why yeah, yeah you definitely want to get a professional to do that right and also it is something that's hard to diagnose and, you know because and don't be afraid of the diagnosis、mm-hmm. um, there's definitely still a stigma that's attached to it、um, and and you know one of our Purposes and points of of our show in general is to destigmatize things that typically、mm-hmm. carry a stigma. And what I can say is, while it might be hard as a parent to be told that your child、um, is being diagnosed with this, the reality of it is is that the diagnosis opens up so many avenues of support,、mm-hmm. um, whether it be、and、you、resources. know right. Whether it be the ability to put your child into early intervention services to get them extra support at school, to get them, you know, an IEP, which is an individualized education plan, to get、mm-hmm. them physical therapy, occupational therapy.、Um, one of the things that was really critical for us 
was really not defining Alex as Alex who has autism. Mm -hmm. It was Alex and everything, right. It was Alex period. And everything else just happened to be something that he needed to learn in order to manage himself Mm -hmm. in the world that he was born into. Um, and so I like like my advice to parents, and and I think Alex, you said it so succinctly, is just just love them, just accept them, just mm-hmm. say, okay, this is my kid. He's not a diagnosis. She's not a diagnosis. They're my kid, and my job is to help them learn to one day leave me. Yeah. So. Fair. Well, Ryan. Yes, Amanda. This was fun. We're already done. Uh, yeah. Didn't that go by quick? Felt quick, but it was probably like what thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> Did you have fun? Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> well, guess who's never getting invited okay. back? <laughs> it's not the most professional interview I've had. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mm. I mean, he was on a commercial, a special thing for uh, Drexel. Ah, uh, yes. You remember that? That when they had their autism center and all I remember is having to go get mac and cheese. We were <laughs> with the doctors, <laughs> and we were part of a documentary. Uh, why done. have I never seen this documentary? Yeah, we were part of a documentary. We're gonna have to watch that when I get there. Um, I did fundraising. not. I thought this was a commercial, not a documentary. No, was, I mean, it was like documentary for fundraising. So sounds like it was five minutes. And then long. no, it was longer than that, and it was like a whole day of filming, and I then we got they, to go to a special dinner. They and... gave you some lipstick that did not look good on you. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I, I, I remember that's that you, and the mac and that's cheese. Awesome. That's when you know. No, Alex has always been really good at making sure I know what I smell like, how what? I'm dressed. Oh, God. That no, was you your tell me. That was your, well, now as an adult, <laughs> I tell you when you stink. Heck yeah. But he used to tell me, mom, you have your own special mom odor, but he could never oh. really describe it. It's funny how I don't remember that at all. Well, I mean. She does. I do. <laughs> I remember it's when you burned would into be, her. In the, be in the store and say, Mom, I smell your mom odor. Man. <laughs> that was I am so sorry for what I did to it's you. It's okay. These are my precious memories. You did not do anything to me. <laughs> okay. She was messed up long ago. It's hey. Funny. I'm just kidding. I knew that. Whatever. So thank you for talking with us today. I appreciate it. Yeah. I love being on. <laughs> That was such a canned. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I appreciated being here today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Weird accent. I don't know. So, Ryan. Yes, Amanda. People can find us on the internet. They can. Where could they find us on the internet? They can find us at our website at Mm worththework.net. They can find us on Instagram at worththework underscore. Oh man, slow down. I'm 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 heating up in here. Or Oh, I'm going to make this as hard as possible for you to read Or they can find us at Worth the Work with Amanda and Ryan on Facebook. On Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We also have an email, and I think it's worththeworkcounseling (laughs) at gmail.com. But you can get to it from any of these three You can go to worththework.net. You can go to our Instagram account. You You can go to our Facebook. and. Should probably know. I know, like you're looking at me like, how dare you? You know it, Amanda. Okay, Ryan, what is it? But anyway, you think it is? Yeah, we're easy to be found, though. We're easy. Yeah. So and yeah, Yeah. the teaser for next week is we hope to have um, my daughter and her significant other on. Wait, 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 wait. Chris is coming on. Yeah, talking Mm. about 
Guess who just found that out? <laughs> Not just Alex. <laughs> no, she knew. Talking I about meant me. Oh, <laughs> talking about <laughs> talking about college uh-huh. and COVID. Okay. And navigating the world as a new insert into college with relationships and COVID. Sure. She has no idea what she's in store for. No. I don't think we do either. Don't warn her, Alex, whatever you do. Yeah. Okay, Ryan. Well, our our listeners should remember what? That they are... Worth the work. I think we did that backwards. (laughs) I don't know. Bye, guys. so cringy. (laughs) Bye.